You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject that I've got coming up for you, it's Christian Martucci. He's in two bands. He's in Stone Sour, of course, the band that features one Corey Taylor of Slipknot, and Black Star Riders, the band that is the legacy act whose roots stretch right back to Thin Lizzy, of course, through the great Scotty Gorham, who we've also had on the podcast series. The reason for the chat with Christian is to talk up the brand new album from Black Star Riders. It's called Another State of Grace, and it'll be out in September 2019. So let's have a listen to what Christian has to say. Here we go. Hey, Christian, Andrew McCoy-Smith calling for a chat. How are you going? Good. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Yeah, it's a sprightly 6am and the sun is just about to come up over the horizon, as I can see there. A bit of cloud around, but I can't complain, mate. It's good to be alive for another day. Heard that. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to, mate? Uh, you know, I, I guess this would be my first question for you. How do you balance everything? Because, I mean, you're in two very prominent bands there, so obviously at the moment we're here to talk about Black Star Riders and this brilliant album, Another State of Grace. But before we get into everything, mate... You probably live on a different continent to uh, the other guys, mate, so I assume you do anyway, so correct me if I'm wrong, but how do you balance everything? Um, that's that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> it, uh, well, as far as Stone Sour is concerned, I mean, um, Corey is also in Flipknot, and, um, you know, uh, so that frees up um, everybody in Stone Sour's schedule to uh, do other things while he's while he's out there doing that, because it's a very long cycle. Mm. So, you know, Roy is, um, Roy is uh, playing in Hell Yeah now. And for me, Black Star Riders came up, and it was just, um, the timing was perfect, and it was just uh, way too good of a, of a thing to, uh, to pass up, you know? I just, I really wanted to do it. Mm. Yeah. What's it like up there, mate? Do you sometimes pinch yourself when you're standing up there alongside Scotty Gorham? You know, because I think he's one of the great innovators of heavy metal guitar, heavy metal and hard rock guitar. I agree with you, and I think that uh, you know every um, every uh, double guitar band you know that has come mm-hmm. since then, Lizzy owes, owes an enormous uh, debt of gratitude to to him and um, all the other you know fantastic guys by his side uh, throughout the years. Um, you know, it's um, you know. It's, if Scott wasn't so uh, such a nice, uh, approachable person, I think it would probably be uh, a lot more intimidating than it is. But because he is a really nice person, and um, you know, he doesn't seem to have any ego about himself or any of that nonsense whatsoever. Um, you know, it feels um, oddly comfortable. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with you totally. I wasn't, I mean, you're never sure. I had a chat to him about three weeks ago or so. And, I mean, the bloke's a legend, you know. there's these, We've got concert footage of him playing on these steps of the Sydney uh, Opera House in front of about 100,000 people. That's a great show. Yeah, you know the one I'm talking That's about. That's a great show. Yeah. I sure do, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then you Fantastic. talk... You're talking to the guy, and if anybody's got a right to have an ego or be arrogant, it's him. But, mate, I've got to tell you, I've done over 450 interviews at this point, and he'd be inside my top three favourite interview subjects just from the fact that he's such a lovely fella. So it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I've spoken to people in bands that, to be honest with you, haven't done anything yet, yet the impression is like local bands, for example, 
where the impression they give you is that they're rock stars in waiting and that the world's just got to appreciate their genius, yet there is somebody who is a bit of a musical genius like Scotty, and he's just such a lovely guy, and mate, it just it's a pattern that repeats itself over and over again. So I wonder what that is. You know, I would I would say those bands have a have a <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of learning to do because um, mm-hmm. it's just uh, in my experience, um, you know, and even uh, you know the kind of the bigger uh, personas that I've played with over the years or whatever, um, you know, the, the people who really should have egos, like you know the Scott Gorms of the world and, mm. and whatever are oftentimes uh, the nicest guys and they don't have any of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of, um, you know, there's definitely a lesson to be learned for that. I mean, if you're going to walk around acting like a jerk or whatever, you might get lucky for one or two albums. But in my experience, the people who have really stood, um, stood the test of time, whether it be Scott Gorham or Alice Cooper or whoever it is, are genuinely very, good nice people indeed yeah it's uh i think it's the only way to get through I mean, you do take the hits along the way don't you but if you're generally a nice guy or girl you're easy to get along with you can surround yourself with people who are like-minded and things are just a little bit easier i mean we, there are too many examples of people saying oh you know you've got to be tough you've got to be a prick you've got to you know don't let anybody step on you or tread on you or push you back but it's like that's tiring that attitude <laughs> that's far too tiring i think that's just i think that's just life isn't it yeah, you know yes. it really is and you know nothing's getting you know nothing's handed for you handed to you you got to work for everything and you know music is is definitely not for for everybody i mean you know it just it's one letdown after another but mm-hmm. how you handle those letdowns um, kind of shows what type of person you are, mm. you know? If you Indeed. become some bitter, uh, angry person, you're not doing anybody any favors, and you're certainly not doing yourself any favors, because in this day and age, nobody wants to work with that. Nobody wants to sit on a tour bus with that. And, I mean, nobody wants to live with that. So it's... Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. It is what it is, you know, the guys that have lasted the longest that I've had the pleasure of meeting um, have always been the nicest ones. There you go. Yep, there you go, right there. So, mate, just just with this album here, I I genuinely think it's a contender for album of the year, Another State of Grace. You know, when I was talking to Scotty, the first thing that I picked up, and this is a question for you as well, but, mate, the sound of this album is just unbelievable. In this day and age of metalcore and deathcore bands that compress the living daylights out of everything so it's they're so complicated that they're you just can't pick up what's going on because it's so flat it's cardboard flat really a lot of the sounds but your music and the way you two play guitar there's so much room to breathe and you can wrap your head around it it's a sort of album that you can put on in the morning at the same time it's a sort of album you can put on to help you go to sleep i don't know what it is about it man but i do put a lot of that down to yeah great riffs but the way it sounds as well so how much of a hand did you have in the in the songwriting but also the way the album sounds um i would say you know i would say quite a bit i mean um you know everybody had their ideas and when it was time to start writing the album I was on tour with Stone Sour at the time, so um, I basically, 
those guys would send me little ideas, you know, like Scott would send me riffs and, you know, Ricky would send me, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes completed, sometimes half completed sort of songs. And, um, you know, over that Stone Sour Ozzy tour, I was at the dressing room, uh, you know, all day before we played uh, with my <laughs> little recording set up and I was making demos, uh, sort of putting the pieces together, trying to figure out like, well, I've got this verse and this chorus, but Scott just sent me this awesome riff, so that'll be the intro and like you know the pre-chorus or whatever. So I really had a lot of um, a lot of great stuff to work with, and um, it was kind of an unconventional way of writing an album. But I mean, sometimes it's kind of cool like that too. You know, it's like you have all the ideas laid out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Everybody contributed something. And, you know, sometimes it's good to just have like, you know, one or two people sort of put it all together and, you know, see what comes out of it. And, um, you know, by the end of that tour, I had, I think, 17 demos, which was a combination of all of our ideas. And Ricky came to my house and uh, he sang on the demos. We sent them back to everybody. They were really excited about what they heard. And a few weeks later, we were in the studio. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. What was the name of the last album? Sorry, with the strong man on it, because this is your first first album with the band, isn't it? Yeah, it is. The previous album is um is Happy Fire. That's which the one. Is actually, uh, that's one of my that's up there with you know one of my favorite albums from the band out of uh, those first three. Hmm. And uh, you know, I was like, <laughs> I remember when I listened to it the first time. You know, knowing that I was going to be playing in the band, I'm like, man, how the hell do you improve this? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. You kind of can't. It's just, they're just, I mean, for, for my personal taste, for my, what I'm into and what I listen to, um, I just, it doesn't really get much better than that for me. So I kind of just, um, instead of being worried about like, oh man, I've got to replace Damon Johnson, who's a fantastic guitar player. Um, I was more like, well, what can I do to put myself into this situation, you know? Yeah. And I, I did this and it was a similar, similar case with Stone Sour. You know, you don't want to get up there and be a carbon copy of what was there before. You know, you have to, you know, if you, if you, if you expect people to respect you, you got to be yourself, you know, mm-hmm. for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, you're not wrong there. But uh, look, you play with so you play with Josh, obviously, and Stone Sour, and I had a chat to Josh about things. He he seems like a very different character to Scott. So how do you, how do you balance those two personalities? Because if you know what I'm saying, I think I think Scott's the man in the middle of of um, Black Star Riders, and Josh is the fella in the middle of um, Stone Sour. I know a lot of people think Corey is, but I'd, look, correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't think he is at all. I think it's Josh that's really driving that band there. So so how do you? Uh, how do you work with both personalities? Do you find that you have to consciously adjust your approach when you're working with either of them? You know, um, not necessarily. I mean, I think it's safe to say that Josh and I are just on completely different um, sides of the guitar spectrum. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, he's into, uh, you know, he's into what he's into. I mean, you know, like the, the, Joe Satriani's of the world and, you know, that kind of stuff. He also has a pretty broad uh, musical taste, but his playing style more stems from that sort of world. 
So with Josh, there's never really like a battle of who's going to play wide or anything like that. It's just, it's more like, um, okay, Josh does this and I do this. And then you put them together and it makes a really unique, uh, sound in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, Scott, I feel, uh, because I actually, you know, grew up listening to classic rock and, you know, I would put Thin Lizzy pretty, pretty high, if not towards <laughs> the top of that list. Yep. Um, like that playing style has been sort of embedded in my DNA. So with, with Scott, it's just kind of, um, I don't know how to put it. It's almost like we're speaking to each other when we're playing guitar. Oh yeah. No, I just, I'm a musician. So I get what I get. I understand exactly what you're saying. Actually, some people you just, you lock in tight with and you don't know why, but you just treasure that relationship so much, don't you? And it's so rare though, isn't it? It's so rare when it happens. Yeah, of course. It's, mean, yeah. You know, you would, you would never think that, uh, that a guitarist like Josh and a guitarist like me could be on the same band. But I mean, I think that's what makes that band unique. There's a little bit of everything and stone sour, you know, but with, uh, you know, with, with black star writers, it just, I don't know. I didn't feel, I, I don't feel like I have to adapt to anything. I just, it, it just, it feels like putting on a really awesome leather jacket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yeah. And hey, look, you, you've been doing this a long time now, you know, and then there's a, there's a discography that's probably wrong, but it's still fairly comprehensive in that it shows there's been a lot of acts and artists that you've been involved with on Wikipedia. And it really, and look, forgive me for saying this, but it's not really until, you know, from 1996, it's not really until you appear on something to do with uh, Ronnie James Dio that I can see that you really start coming into the spotlight a little bit more. And then after that, you know, you've got this bit, these, these, uh, Projects with Stone Sour and uh, and Black Star Riders, but from from your own perspective, mate, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, I think, through the beginning of the conversation there. But you know, the music industry can be can be fairly difficult. You know, you do take a lot of hits. There's a lot of bad news as opposed to good news. But how have you kept the faith? Um, I just don't know what else. I don't know what else to do with myself. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, um, it's um. You know, the the guitars and all of that, to me, it's more than just, um, you know, getting up on stage and showing off and stuff like that. Like, these things are legitimately my friends, and they've gotten me through every uh, every horrible thing that's happened, you know. I mm. mean, prior to the Ronnie James Dio thing, I mean, you're talking about years of just really bad, terrible record deals, you know, people and bands I was with just dying left and right. You know, God, I kind of yeah. felt like I was a grim reaper for a minute. <laughs> yeah, but, well, yeah. But, um, you know, just a lot of, uh, a lot of blood, sweat and tears to get to, get to a certain <laughs> point. But, um, but, you know, it's like, I think it's just all a matter of why, why you do it, you know? And for me, it's, it's, it's always been a very therapeutic thing. And an escape from the uh, the struggles of that kind of day to day life. So I never took it out on music when things weren't working out. I've definitely taken it out on a few people, <laughs> but I've never. I would certainly never blame my guitar or or music in general because, you know, you just got to know going into this that the music business part of it is is very it's just very it's a big letdown for a lot of people but you know 
if anything, I would say if you look at that Wikipedia thing, I'm kind of proof that if you just hang in there and you just believe in what you're doing, good things eventually do happen. Agreed. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's looking at your age. You're about the same age as me, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> what do they say? It's like that 25 year overnight sensation. You know what I mean? Like people don't realize <laughs> you, to to people that it might have appeared that you came from the left field somewhere up in the uh, stadium stand somewhere before you joined um, Stone Sour, but not really, mate. You've obviously been working a lot. You've been working, you, you've built up a reputation based on being a nice fella too in all of the bands that you've been in. So when the opportunity was presented to apply or whether or not they just reached out to you because they'd heard that you were a good bloke and talking about in Stone Sour there, but you were ready to take the opportunity. You never gave gave up hope that eventually you were going to be in well, a you band. Know- Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just thinking because I watched um, watched a Pantera documentary the other night or whatever, and um, I think it was was the behind the music thing. And, um, you know, they were talking about when they released Cowboys from Hell and they were interviewing Benny Paul and they were like, you know, Pantera overnight sensation or whatever. And he was like, overnight sensation we've been slugging it out in all these bars and clubs for 12 years or whatever before (laughs) that album came out so it's pretty funny but i mean the bottom line is everything that you do good and bad in music makes you makes you who you are and honestly i think you need a little bit of that toughening up if you're going to be a musician you need to have those things happen because you know i've known people that they're you know their very first band was successful and you know Mm. it's like they don't have the same type of appreciation for that as somebody who you know really had to slug it out and work hard to get where they were at you know yeah i get it completely yeah weird yeah yeah (laughs) but i know there's the other fellow that you you and um I don't. You probably know him, but you know Jason Christopher. You know the bass player in Prong, and also oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are fairly similar yeah. in that you sort of were on the periphery for a long time, but you're starting to come into the spotlight now. Are you, have you guys ever worked together? Yeah, Jason and I have been friends for about twenty years now, maybe longer, and we've played in probably three bands together, four bands together over the years. So we go back a long way. He's a good bassist, actually. I was watching him with Tommy and Prong a few years ago here in Brisbane, and, uh, mate, he locks that stuff right down, a bit like Tony Campos does as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, uh, you know, I've seen Prong several times over the years, and I always thought they were awesome. But uh, I got to say the best Prong show I ever saw was with Jason on bass and uh, Bart Cruz on drums, oh, who's yeah. now in Lamb of God. But that was a great great lineup. Oh, is that right? There you go. I did, yeah, I didn't put the two together because right, that was the bass player in the band when I watched them. And uh, I'm an old Prong fan, you see, from Cleansing right back to Beg to Differ. And uh, so, of course, yeah. it's really, you know, it's a bit of a, you know, when I say Tommy solo show, and it's a bit like the Dave Mustaine thing, Megadeth thing is the Dave Mustaine solo show. You know, you just have a cast of willing, the willing around you, the cast of... Uh, the cast of people that sort of help you get the job done. But, man, that's a big step up for art, isn't it, going into that band there? And uh, and uh, Chris Adler, God, I wonder what he's going to do next because, he's he, God, he's a tremendous drummer. I, I don't I'm, – I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, but 
but yeah, I think I think Art's just one of those guys that um, you know, from when I've seen him play and stuff, I mean, he's an undeniable talent. I mean, it's only a matter of time before somebody like that gets snatched up, you know. Yeah. Um, is, yeah. yeah. No, great, great. Mate, that's a uh, good for him and good for Lamb of God, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I wasn't sure what was going on there for a while because, of course, Chris was, um, you know, he did that thing with the guy from Nitro. I can't remember the name of the band there, but uh, and. Um, Michelangelo Badio, and he also did the Megadeth thing. So I think the writing had been on the wall for a little bit that maybe there were, um, I mean, I don't know anything here. I'm just sort of postulating, but musical differences, or maybe they just had enough of each other or what have you. But uh, I was actually, I tell you what, between you and I, and God, if it's cool with you, I'm plan- planning on releasing this as a podcast episode because there's so much cool stuff here. But I was hoping you'd step into Metallica, to be honest with you, because I just cannot, I can't get into Metallica these days due to Lars's drumming. It's just, oh, I'm a musician, so as well, but mate, I, I can't listen to it. I honestly, I listen to it and it's like, I, I don't know, it's it's just so weird at this point in time that it. I feel like he's going back, he's regressing on album and definitely live. Well, you know what it is? It, he, um, there was a time when, obviously, when we were younger in the eighties or if you even hinted that, uh, Lars wasn't, (laughs) you know, if you had said something like that about Lars, you would have gotten the crap beat out of you by like, (laughs) (laughs) I remember those days, you know, mustache and denim jacket in your high school or whatever, you know, I just think that, you know, the bottom line is that guy created some of the most memorable drum lines ever. And I mean, he played on Master of Puppets, you know, it's like whatever he does after that is almost, I almost don't even care. But like, (laughs) even when, um, you know, like when one came out, I remember walking down the street and there were, it was back when there were a lot of people that were playing music and stuff. And you'd hear out of garages, every kid trying to do the, you know what I mean? On the drum. And, um, you know, I mean, there are people who think that, you know, Ace really isn't a good guitar player, but it's like, you know, well, you go and try, try to write the solo for, you know, Detroit Rock City or something. Yeah, yeah. You can't. I, I think, it's, I think uh, that over the years, metal, metal has gotten so, um, so technical and so over the top that, you know, maybe compared to where things have progressed, you know, he might not be technically in the same ballpark as a lot of these other guys, and a lot of them are very fantastic drummers, but where are the, where's the memorable, where's the songs at? Where's the memorable drum parts, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where's, I mean, you know, so that's, that's kind of my take on it. <laughs> no, I haven't I'm, seen Metallica play. live yeah. since, since the Black Album. I haven't seen them live, but, um, you know, I certainly, at the time, I didn't think there was anything wrong <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it just seems I, just that last album, uh, death is it death? No, not death magnetic. Or what was it? Uh, hardwired to self destruct. There you go. Uh, um, hardwired. Yeah. Yeah. Just the drum sound is far too high in the mix. Like you know what's going on. <laughs> you listen to it and think, oh god, here we go. It's way too high in the mix. And the the drum patterns are overly simplistic. And I guess that just that that's the detail in my comment there. And uh, I, I listened to that one, and I remember thinking to myself, Lars should step out and become an executive producer, and Chris Adler should come in and play drums and give it that urgency. Because I think that the, the, I think that James's guitar playing misses the urgency that Lars, to your exact point, 
used to have Circa Master of Puppets. I think he sort of, after that, he sort of started to become more of a blues and boogie drummer, not a metal drummer, even though he's playing in the world's biggest <laughs> metal band. <laughs> it was that shift that they did on load, and uh, I still struggle to make sense of it. You know, I'm not a hater, believe me. I'm, I'm trying to provide valuable or, or constructive feedback here if ever the band, and I've done, like, big articles about it and all the rest of it, uh, blog entries, that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, I've just... You know, noticed... there's just some people that... I just think, you know, there's just some... There's some drummers that just kind of have like this uh, signature sound, um, whether it be, uh, you know, Lars or, or Dave Lombardo hmm. or somebody like that, where it, it, it has this uh, this feel where it's like almost going to go off the rails a little bit, but it never does kind of. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that's, I, I, to me, that's exciting. I mean, it could be because I come from... Uh, more of a sort of punk rock background than my earlier years or whatever. So like kind of like Stealthy Animal Taylor from Motorhead, you know, technically, I mean, you know, you couldn't really put him in the same category as like a, a Chris Adler or one of these, you know, mm. powerhouse drummers, but you know, it's him when you hear it. You know? <laughs> I think that's kind of cool. That's a very tough, a very tough instrument, but you're, uh, your stamp on yeah it is but yeah no no it is yeah but i mean look you've, you've played with some tremendous drummers i mean roy's an excellent drummer isn't he you know he's he's one of those guys that, i mean i remember i first first time i heard him was probably most of us did was back on the first slot soulfly album and he locked that one down beautifully and all of the stuff that he's done since man it's no surprise at all to see him go from strength to strength so so you you must rate he's playing tremendously being up there in front of him well, I'll tell you what, I've known Roy since uh, the mid-90s, uh, way before Soulfly hmm. or any of that stuff. And, um, I mean, you know, he was in, uh, he, he came from punk bands, too. You know, he was in Nausea and, um, you know, just a, right. just an incredible drummer. And, I mean, when you go to, like, these punk rock shows or whatever and, you know, you see these bands play or whatever, I remember the first time I saw Roy get behind a drum kit like it literally shook the entire place. <laughs> I mean, he just—I've I, just—he—he was a—he's a combination of every single one of my favorite drummers rolled into one. He is yeah. just a phenomenal musician, and he plays everything, not just drums. He can play all kinds of crazy, weird instruments. <laughs> yeah, he's one of them. Is he one of those multi-talented guys? Yeah, know the type. <laughs> yeah, he can just pick up something and figure it out. <laughs> really interesting mm. mate this has been a fascinating conversation thank you so much it's uh it's so great to to talk to a fellow who's had to stick it out take the hits but mate you've come good hydro grab is a brilliant album and of course this one here in another state of grace man man I, you know i've asked this this once before but you must be pinching yourself at this point you're in two of the, the greatest rock bands one of, i mean either way if you're a rock fan both of these bands are up the top somewhere mate so you must be pinching yourself that you're here now after all of these years yeah, it's definitely um, it's it's a lot more than I expected, you know. I I I just figured, you know, I would have been happy, uh, you know, even just doing like a mid level thing as as a quote unquote career, you know. Yeah. I never would have in a million years imagined that you know I'd be able to play in a band with you know Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy or or have you know such a successful album like Hydrograd. 
mm-hmm. or be asked to play on the altitudes and attitudes thing with David Ellison and Frank Bellow. You know, That's that was right. a huge honor. Yeah, it was. Yeah, too to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, those, I've spoken to both of those two guys, and they're, they're, all of these guys that you mentioned, you know, it's so true what we said at the beginning. They're just lovely guys, David and Frank, you know, just good dudes, aren't they? And and I only speak to them for 20 minutes, so I could speak to yourself, but you just get that vibe. You know when someone's a nice guy or not, you know, and you just get that vibe that, like yourself, man, they're just fans of music, and they just love being up there playing in front of people. And that's what I love about rock and roll and heavy metal, mate, is that it's it's music that is played by people that aren't too different to the fans. There's not a lot of arrogance and pretense yeah. associated with this music. Well, I mean, if you get into it because you want to be a rock star and you want girls and, you know, what, or whatever your thing is, you know what I mean? Yep. You're going to be disappointed, you know? <laughs> but for, for somebody like, you know, for somebody like me, anytime something good happens, I don't, I don't expect it. I, I'm shocked by it. I think it's incredible. I'm just like, whoa, this is awesome. This is a break from the usual crap I have to put up with, you know? Yeah, um, indeed. You know, whether it be joining Stone Sour or whatever it is, you know, it's just kind of, I, you know, life is, uh, continues to be full of surprises for me. <laughs> well, mate, you've, you've worked hard and you've got the talent. It must be said, you've worked hard, but you've got the talent. You're a bloody good bloke too. So, mate, good luck with everything. And, you know, I just hope you go from strength to strength. And it's so nice to chat to somebody who appreciates the station in life after so much hard work. There's none of that resentment or bitterness. You've just, you've made it. You're doing it. You're talking to little old me here in Australia, mate, from, from where you are in the United <laughs> States there. You're touring the world, man. So you kept the faith, man, and good luck to you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. No nice worries. talking to you. Likewise, mate. No worries at all. Okay. All right. Cheers. Take care. You too, mate. Okay, bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was Christian Martucci from the Black Star Riders and Stone Sour. Thanks so much for listening.